Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, y'all, welcome to church, No Limits Church. So glad you guys are here. You could have been anywhere, and you chose to be here with us this morning, and for that, I'm super grateful. In case you don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here at No Limits, alongside my wife, Beth. At No Limits, we're here to help you know God. Anybody want to know God? Find freedom. Anybody want freedom? And discover purpose. And the bottom line is, we want to equip you to go out and make a difference for the kingdom of God. And today, I'm kicking off a new series about the end times. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, this is a subject that I never intended to tackle here at church. I was honestly hoping that God would give me a pass and never ask me to talk about this. But if you've been around me for long, you already know that to me, obedience to God is the only option. So when he asks me to do something, I do it. And a few months ago, the Holy Spirit began dropping hints. That's usually how it starts for me. It's like, oh, here it comes. And I'm not one who thinks about end times. Those who do, they'll categorize themselves as like a post-millennialist, a, a pre-millennialist, an amillennialist. Well, I would categorize myself as a pan-millennialist. I believe it's all going to pan out just like God wants it to. <laughs> Stole that from Andrew Womack, but it applies to me too. But um, when the Holy Spirit started dropping hints that this was going to be our next series, I started to think about the end times. And this was out of character for me, so I knew the Holy Spirit was working on me. I've never had visions of the return of Jesus and. Now, over the past couple of months, I've had several visions of the return of Jesus. I'm going to tell you about them throughout this series. But here's what I want you to know. We are at the end of the end times. We're at the end of the end times. Jesus is coming soon, and we need to live every day ready for his return. And although many of you might have been avoiding studying the end times, you're going to actually find this series to bring you great comfort. That's why we talk about the end times. It's going to bring you peace and hope that Jesus is coming again. This series is going to have four parts. I'm going to go ahead and let you know what they are ahead of time. I normally don't do this, but I just want to kind of give you a heads up so you know what's coming. Today, we're going to talk about the signs of the end times. Next week, we'll talk about the rapture of the church. In part three, we'll talk about the great tribulation. In part four, we'll talk about the millennium and eternity. Before we get into part one, let's set some ground rules. I understand that you might disagree with me throughout this series. Unpacking the end times is one of the most controversial things you can talk about <laughs> at church. We had a, I'll give you an example. We had a small group a few years ago about the end times, and I asked what percentage of the group believed in the pre-tribulation rapture and what percentage of the group didn't. Can you guess what the percentage was? It was a 50-50 split. Half of the group believed in the pre-tribulation rapture and half of the group didn't. And I'm not going to tell you where I stand on the issue today because I'm going to tell you next week. And there's no reason to make 50% of y'all mad today when I'm going to do that next week. So we'll just save that. <laughs> so here's the ground rules for this series. It's okay if we disagree on the details of the end times. As long as we all agree that Jesus is coming for his church. We need to be ready and we need to help others get ready. We need to agree on that. So I started off in neutral about the end times before all this started unfolding for me, but now I'm fired up. I mean, the Holy Spirit's been doing a work on my heart regarding this subject, and I'm just really excited to teach on this today. It was a labor of love, though. I will tell you that. It took me about twice as long to prepare this message today as it normally does, but I'm glad I did it, and I'm really excited. But I encourage you to get excited about hearing it 
Don't like come to church and be like, oh man, Cade's going to talk about the end times. Work yourself up. Get yourself excited about hearing it because God promises a special blessing to those who engage in this message. Take a look at Revelation chapter 1 verse 3. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. All right, I'm going to be blessed. And he blesses those who listen to its message and obey what it says. For the time is near. I'm going to be blessed for bringing this message to you. You're going to be blessed for hearing it and obeying what, you, what the Word of God says. So who's ready to be blessed today? Let me show you how we can know that, the end of, that Jesus' return is very near. So this might come as a shock to you, but I've never personally had a baby. Even though the pregnant man emoji now exists, the reality is men can't have babies. I just wanted to make sure you guys knew. Are we, do we get that? If you ever wonder if you're on the, on the right side of history here, just it's easy to know. I mean, these guys are putting out pregnant man emojis. All right. But I've witnessed my wife have five babies. And one of them was four weeks ago. And you might be wondering where I'm going with this. Well, Jesus reveals that the signs of the end times are like birth pains. In Mark 13... Verse 8, it says, nation will go to war against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in many parts of the world, as well as famines. But this is only the first of the birth pains, with more to come. So on Saturday, April 9th, I got up around 7 a.m. to fix the kids' breakfast, and Beth slept in a bit. She was full-term pregnant, so she needed all the sleep that she could get. And when she, when she got up about an hour later, she was disappointed. And I was like, oh, man, why is she disappointed? I let her sleep in. I should be getting a reward here or something, right? So I asked what was going on, and she explained that she had had contractions from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., and then they just stopped. And this is a frustrating experience for a woman who's ready to have a baby because it turns out carrying a nine-pound baby in your abdomen just isn't all that comfortable. So I gave her a little pep talk, and then we went on with our normal day. And after breakfast, I headed to my office to pray and spend time in God's Word. And the Holy Spirit led me to read 1 Thessalonians. And the book ends by reassuring the church that Jesus is coming. He's coming. And it even explains what's going to happen when He comes, and I'm going to get into that next week. But after I was done reading, the Spirit of God filled the room. And I became overwhelmed with this inexpressible peace and joy. Has that ever happened to anybody? It just kind of like fills the, it's, I don't know how to explain it. But as I sat there, I kept sensing the Spirit of God say, I'm coming. I'm coming. Cade, I'm coming. And like I said earlier, I'm not one who thinks about the end times. So this was an unusual experience for me. I've had many awesome encounters with the Lord during my prayer time, but none of them have ever been about His coming. I can't even put into words the experience that I had that morning, but it took me by complete surprise, and I walked out of the room with complete confidence that I will see the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in my lifetime. And I was so excited that I went to tell Beth, and I don't think I did a very good job explaining what had happened. Have you guys ever had an encounter with God? You try to go explain it to somebody, and it just kind of like falls flat. You're like, well, it was awesome. You're just going to have to trust me. It was awesome. <laughs> but I think she caught a glimpse of it. And then I went back to my office to get some work done. And lunchtime rolled around, and Beth had only had a few contractions between breakfast time and lunchtime. So she was convinced it's not going to happen today. This is just false labor. But somehow I knew today is the day. We put the kids down for naps after lunch and then went into our room to spend some time together. And then Beth was looking a bit weary, as you can imagine. So I left her alone to take a nap, and I went upstairs to finish my sermon. And about an hour later, Beth calls me back downstairs. 
She only got to nap for about 15 minutes before the contractions kicked in and started again. And she had like 10 contractions back to back and she decided I better come on down. She wasn't sure that this was it. Beth does this every, every time she's in labor. I'm not, I'm not sure that this is it. Oh, oh, oh. You know, I'm not sure this is it. Three minutes later, oh, 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 this is it. I could tell by the look on her face and the frequency of the contractions, this, this is it. So I called our sitter that came over to watch our four other kids, and we drove to our midwife in Tulsa. And on the way there, she was having contractions about every three minutes or so. And I decided to turn on one of our favorite songs to kind of help distract her from the pain that was going on. So I played Endless Praise by Charity Gale. And almost immediately when that song started playing, the Spirit of God filled our car, and we both began to cry. His love and his peace were just so tangible that it was overwhelming. And then came the third verse, and I want you to take a look at these lyrics. It says, Standing with those who have heard well done, proclaiming forever that you're the one who's faithful, faithful, faithful are you, Lord. What can we give you but endless praise? The heavens roar as we shout your name is Jesus, 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 you are Lord. And at this point, I was going in and out of this open vision of Jesus coming on the clouds. My eyes were open because I was driving, but I would catch glimpses of what his coming is going to be like. And so there I am wiping tears from my eyes. I'm sobbing. I'm going in and out of this vision, and I'm trying to keep my laboring wife safe going down Highway 169. It was an unforgettable experience, and I imagine it was unforgettable for Beth, too, because she's over there overwhelmed with the peace and joy of God and overwhelmed with the pain of labor all at the same time. About 20 minutes later, we arrive at the birthing center, and the midwife checks the progress, and we find out we're on the, we are on the verge of having this baby. Less than an hour later, the baby was born. Glad we went. So I've now watched Beth birth five babies, and four of those she did 100% natural. No pain meds, no nothing. She just went in and had a baby. Observing the process over and over again, I've learned that with every birth, the pain intensifies and becomes more frequent the closer you get to the delivery. And that's what Jesus was referring to when he was talking about the signs of the end times. Yes, wars and and earthquakes, they've been impacting our world forever, right? We can look at, well, this has been going on forever. But in our lifetime, the pain has intensified and it's become more frequent. And the disciples experienced the first of the birth pains, and here we are experiencing the end of the birth pains, the pains that come right before the delivery, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So why did the Holy Spirit give me that experience the day of Daniel's birth? To confirm what Jesus told us. We can be confident that his coming is near by paying attention to the intensity and the frequency of the birth pains. And I've witnessed this many times with Beth, and it's coming time to push push. So we need to be ready and we need to help others get ready for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me show you another sign. The Old, Pro- the Old Testament prophet Daniel, he prophesied greatly about the end times and he even let us in on what it's going to be like in the last days. And here's what he said in Daniel chapter 12. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. In the 1600s, the great scientist Sir Isaac Newton, he read this scripture, and here's what he said about it. He said, personally, I cannot help but believe that these words refer to the end of times. There may be some inventions which enable people to travel much more quickly than they do now. And he later speculated that such inventions might surpass 50 miles per hour. 
80 years later, a French atheist read Newton's words, and here's what he said about Sir Isaac Newton. He said, see what a fool Christianity makes of an otherwise brilliant man. Has he forgotten that if a man would travel at that rate, he would be suffocated? His heart would surely stand still. Yeah, what an idiot. Oh, wait. Turns out the Bible enabled Mr. Newton to accurately predict the future while the atheist was left in the dark. Now we know who the real idiot is. So Daniel reveals to us that the end times are marked by fast travel and increased knowledge. From the Garden of Eden Eden, to the early 1900s, people either walked or rode their horses to get around. Isn't that amazing? For a long time. And then in a span of less than 100 years, mankind invented the automobile, the jet plane, and the space shuttle. Talk about rushing here and there, right? My grandparents grew up without electricity. That means there was no technology. But then it only took a few decades, and everybody had radios, TVs, and many of the modern conveniences we still use today. When I graduated high school, the iPhone did not exist. Let that soak in. It wasn't even out. This only smartphone in my day was called a BlackBerry. I didn't have one, though. I had the good old Nokia phone. It could call, it could send text, and you could play Snake. And that was it. In just a few decades, we've made major medical advances. Tiny babies weighing less than a pound can now survive outside the womb. That's incredible. They can even operate on unborn babies in the womb before... I mean, that's just, that's incredible. We can clone sheep, mice, and cattle. We can clone them. And we even have the technology to clone humans. If they're not doing it already, I'm sure that it's coming. Talk about increased knowledge. The world has never experienced what we've experienced in just a few generations. I mean, that is a sure sign that we are at the end of the end times. And the sad thing is our drastically increased knowledge has actually been to our detriment, which is another sign of the end times. Society now worships human knowledge over the wisdom of God. Highly educated people are now coaching the world on this rebirth of morality, right? It's no longer wrong to embrace a lifestyle of homosexuality. It's wrong to speak against it. It's no longer wrong to slaughter a baby in the womb. It's wrong to speak against it. We've become so smart that we finally realized all this time gender has been subjective, You can't look in your pants to find out who you are. You have to wait and see how you feel or wait for your kindergarten teacher to tell you. Aren't you grateful that human knowledge has led us to redefine morality? I mean, the results speak for themselves. Now around 70% of Americans believe that sex outside of marriage is acceptable. And around 40% of kids have no father in the home. 40%. And since abortion was legalized in 1973, close to 63 million unborn babies have been killed right here in the U.S. That doesn't even include the ones killed in other countries and other nations. That's equivalent to wiping out 20% of the U.S. population right now. Speaking of, you've probably heard about the information that was leaked by the Supreme Court about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. That's great news that they're planning on overturning that. But it's a problem that the confidentiality of the Supreme Court has been compromised We really need to pray that those who are responsible are found and that they suffer the consequences because that can't happen again. But now everybody's talking about abortion. I even read a post from a church leader this last week that blew my mind. Here's what she said. We don't know when life begins. 
It's a great mystery. If we look at the book of Genesis, Adam's life didn't begin until God breathed into him. So maybe life doesn't begin until our first breath. A church leader saying that. That's unbelievable. Yet if you pay attention to Scripture, you know that God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I knew you. And I've preached on the issue of abortion many times because I'm not afraid to do that. It needs to be talked about. And here's what it all boils down to. If you side with abortion, you side with Satan. There's your reality check for you. If you side with abortion, you side with Satan. Don't trust a Christian who sides with abortion. People don't like it. They don't appreciate it when I say that. But it's the truth. The issue of abortion is one of the easiest ways to determine if somebody was part of the woke church or part of Jesus' church. You know them by their fruit. And speaking of the woke church, I recently found out that it's described in Revelation 17 as the great prostitute. Take a look at how it's described. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. And the people who belong to this world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. As you can see, the woke church consists of so-called Christians who side with sin over God's word. They'll pick sin over God's word every time. That's the woke church. They wrap it in this beautiful package called social justice. And the people of the world are drunk in its immorality. And just a few days ago, I read about a church who's hosting a drag queen show. A church hosting a drag queen show. I already told you about the church leader who's promoting abortion. These are just two of many horrifying stories about those who call themselves Christians but are nothing more than a whore, according to the Bible. Get this, though. The woke church is going to thrive during the first half of the tribulation. It's going to look like they were right. People are going to love them. The Antichrist is going to share his power with that harlot. But he won't share his power for long. The prostitute called the woke church is going to be destroyed by the Antichrist midway through the tribulation when the Antichrist doesn't need her anymore. The woke church is nothing but Satan's prostitute to be used and discarded whenever he's done with it. So make sure you are not part of the woke church. Man. Another sign I'm not going to get into today is what's been going on with the moon and the stars over the past few decades In 2017, the stars aligned exactly as described in Revelation 12. If you're into astrology, you'll enjoy researching that one. But we've also had three blood moon tetrads over the past 70 years, and all of them aligned with something significant that happened in Israel. Amazing. Amazing stuff. But that's what I want to get into next. What's going on with Israel is considered the super sign of the end times. Take a look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves began to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. When Jesus references the fig tree, he's talking about Israel. So what Jesus is saying is a single generation will see all the end-time prophecies about Israel fulfilled in a single generation. The same generation that sees it begin will see it end. Here's the thing. Many of these prophecies have already been fulfilled in our generation. That means we are the generation that Jesus is talking about in this scripture. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm going to take you through the prophecies that have already been fulfilled. It's going to encourage you. It's awesome. Here's the first one. Israel is regathered a second time. 
You see, an entire generation of Israel lived captive to Babylon as a result of their idolatry and their rejection of God. But after 70 years, God did what he promised, and he brought, him back, brought them back to their land. And this happened more than 500 years before Christ. That was the first regathering of Israel. And then just like Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, the temple was destroyed, and the people of Israel dispersed a second time in 70 A.D., This was around 40 years after Jesus prophesied that it would happen. And now for almost 2,000 years, the people of Israel were scattered around the world. And I'm sure there were many over that long period of time who called Isaiah a false prophet, because take a look at what he said. In Isaiah chapter 11, in that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to bring back the remnant of his people. He will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of the earth. God fulfilled this promise in 1948 when Israel was once again became a nation after being scattered for 2,000 years. This leads right into the next prophecy about Israel that's already been fulfilled. Israel is born in one day. Once again, take a look at what the prophet Isaiah wrote. He said, who has ever seen anything as strange as this? Has a nation ever been born in a single day? Has a country ever come forth in a mere moment? But by the time Jerusalem's birth pains begin, her children will be born. On May 14th, 1948, Britain released its control over the land of Israel. On that same day, the head of the Jewish agency announced the establishment of the state of Israel. The U.S. president at the time, Harry Truman, was quick to recognize the new nation on the very same day. Other nations were slow to follow Truman's lead, but May 14th, 1948, is recognized as the official birth date of the state of Israel, a nation born in a day. This is incredible because Beth and I can barely get all of our five kids bathed in one day. (laughs) Incredible. Again, this leads right into the next prophecy that's already been fulfilled. Israel is is regathered from the north. So now that Israel has been born in a day, where are all the people going to come from? Of course, we already know they were scattered across the entire world, so they're going to come back from all over. But the largest migration came from Russia, which is north of Israel. Between 1989 and 2002, more than one million Russian Jews migrated back to Israel. When the Russian president opened the borders and allowed the Jews to leave, it fulfilled Jeremiah's prophecy when he said, But the time is coming, says the Lord, when people who are taking an oath will no longer say, As surely as the Lord lives, who rescued the people of Israel from the land of Egypt. Instead, they're going to say, As surely as the Lord lives, who brought the people of Israel back to their own land from the land of the north and from all the countries to which he had exiled them. Yet another prophecy about Israel that's already been fulfilled. Don't miss this. I'm showing you today how you can know that we are the last generation. And there's more. Jerusalem is retaken by the Jews. Jesus prophesied about the destruction of Jerusalem. This was fulfilled in 70 AD. He also prophesied that Jerusalem would be recaptured by the Jews. Take a look in Luke 21. Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. This means that Jerusalem would remain outside of Israel's control until the end of times. And I've already explained to you that Israel became a nation in 1948. And then in 1967, Israel engaged in the Arab-Israeli Six-Day War and regained control of Jerusalem. It remains in their hands today. Jesus said the same generation that sees these prophecies fulfilled about Israel will see the end times. We are that generation. So you may be wondering, well, how long is a generation? The book of Psalms gives us the clearest explanation in Psalms 
chapter 90, it says, Lord, through all generations, you've been our home. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to 80. So according to this scripture, a generation is somewhere between 70 and 80 years. The first prophecy fulfilled about Israel was when it became a nation in 1948. I'll give you a moment to do the math. Okay, math's kind of hard to do on a Sunday morning, right? But in just a few days, on May 14th, Israel will celebrate its 74th anniversary as a nation. And you know, knowing that God's desire is for all men to repent and turn to him, that is God's desire. That is what he wants. I imagine he's going to give us that extra 10 years that's mentioned in Psalms. But we're already four years in, 74 years. He's coming soon. He's coming very soon. A couple months ago, we were here at church on Sunday morning, and I was preaching on miracles. Spiritual gifts were moving at the end of service. I mean, it was just it was a great service. And when it was over, I walked off the stage into the back of the room over there where my kids were seated. And as I got back there, my six-year-old daughter stunned me with what she said. Just Kids are so awesome. I mean, it's just so casual to her, but it stopped me in my tracks. And she said, hey, Dad, I just found out that we're all going to heaven together. You and mom aren't going before us. We're all going to go at the same time. We weren't talking about end times that day. I had not said anything about it. I don't know if you've experienced this before, but when someone tells you something by the Spirit of God, the words just stun you for a moment. You're like, woo! They carry this weight that normal words just don't. And this was one of those moments for me. I knew she was speaking about something that she had seen in the Spirit that day. I knew she was... It connected with my spirit, and I knew she was talking about the rapture of the church. Now, some people believe the rapture is before the tribulation. Some people believe it's in the middle of the tribulation. Others believe it's at the end of the tribulation. We're going to get into that next week. Where do I stand? Who? nobody knows. But regardless of what you believe about the timing of Jesus coming back for his church, the important thing is Jesus is coming back. And he told us we better be ready when he gets here. You better be ready. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But we do know the generation. We do know the generation. And as I explained to you today, we are that generation. So here we are at the, near the end of that generation. And as the birth pains increase in frequency and intensity, that we know the end is near. So I have to ask you, are you ready for his return? Like, if Jesus were to come back tonight, are you ready? Getting ready is very simple. The Bible makes it clear that the only way to salvation is believing in Jesus Christ. That's it. You can't earn it with your good works. You can only receive it by believing. And you may be wondering, well, how do I know if I believe in Jesus? Well, it's simple. When you believe in Jesus, you follow Jesus. Following Jesus becomes the focus of your life when you believe in Jesus. But don't misunderstand me. What you do cannot save you. There are a lot of people who say they're a Christian because they're part of a church or because they said a prayer one Sunday morning or because they care about social justice. None of those things make you a Christian. None of those things save you from eternity in hell. The only thing that saves you is believing that Jesus Christ died in your place. God raised him from the dead and he gave you eternal life. It was a gift. Listen to me. There's a lot of people who think they're saved, but they're not. There's a lot of people who think they're saved, but they're not. And I know that's really strange for me to say. Maybe you've never heard that at church before, but that's not me saying it. It's actually Jesus saying it. 
Let me show it to you in Matthew chapter 7. He says, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But Jesus is going to reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. We can say we believe in Jesus all day long, but what really tells the tale is how we live our lives. If you truly believe Jesus is who he says he is, you'll follow him by following his word. And I'm not saying you're going to get it perfect. (laughs) None of us get it perfect. But what I am saying is that when you believe in Jesus and something is revealed in your life that's contrary to the way of Jesus, you abandon your way and you go after the way of Jesus. This is an ongoing journey. For me, it started up by giving up a life of homosexuality. And then next, I had to give up pornography. And then I I found out that I was really mean, and I had to give up a bad attitude. And on and on, over the past 15 plus years, I've been living a life of repentance. (laughs) When something is revealed in my life that's contrary to the way of Jesus, I make an adjustment. It happens all the time, even today. Why? Why do I do this? Because I believe in Jesus. I believe he gave me new life. I believe his power resides on the inside of me and enables me to live life the way that he wants me to live. I believe that he loves me. So when he asks me to do something that I don't particularly like at the time, I know that he has my best interests at heart. So I do it anyway. I believe in Jesus. So I follow Jesus. So I want to ask you, do you believe in Jesus? Because now's the time. He's coming back for his church very soon. And trust me, you want to go with us. You want to go with us. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So we're going to do that together. If you truly believe God raised Jesus from the dead, I want you to raise your hand right now. If you truly believe God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, everybody who has their hand raised, repeat after me. Jesus Jesus is is Lord. It's that simple. You're saved. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Don't even talk yourself out of it. Anytime you question your salvation, you just need to open up your Bible and turn to Romans 10, 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I believe. I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. I declare that Jesus is Lord. I am saved, and nobody can take that away from me. So I got to ask, if you were not truly saved when you walked in the door today, but now you've received salvation, will you stand up so that we can celebrate with you? Like maybe this is your first time receiving salvation. Maybe you've decided to rededicate your life today. Maybe you were part of the woke church when you came in, and now you're a part of Jesus's church. Either way, go ahead and stand up so we can celebrate with you. Anybody? All right. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, y'all, here at No Limits, we give the Holy Spirit free reign in our services. And we welcome the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There may be a tongue and interpretation, a prophecy, a move of healing, a miracle that the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish today before we leave. You know, it's really up to the Holy Spirit what he wants to do right now. I mean, we're not going to sit here and try to make something happen. What we're going to do, though, is be still and tune into the Holy Spirit and let him do what he wants to do. So I'm going to ask the guys in the back to go ahead and bring those lights down play that music, and everybody just bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's tune in. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You've been here all morning with us, and we're so grateful. And now we invite you to move as you want to move. We submit ourselves to what you want to do, 
in this place before we leave today. Your spiritual gifts are precious to us. We don't reject them, but we receive them. Somebody's going to watch this message later. I don't know when. It could be years from now. It could be days from now. And you're going to realize at the end of it that you've given your life to Jesus for real. And I know you didn't get a chance to stand here with us today. But God wants you to know he sees you and your salvation is real. You're saved. Nobody can take it away from you. Praise God for your salvation. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.